The Women Like You podcast would like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional owners of the land we walk on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. to press go on a stopwatch basically and the average time turned out to be like five minutes and 40 seconds so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I mean, so you're basically going to need to do that four times a day seven days a week <laughs> to be sufficiently active exactly exactly Yes, it's Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. And I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. Now, does sex count as exercise? I bloody hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We are all about finding ways to make exercise less shit. And if sex is one of those ways, then, well, sign me up. So, Strap yourself in, make sure you're somewhere nice and comfortable because things are about to get very, very sexy. It's getting hot in here. (laughs) Yes, I currently work as a GP in a fertility clinic in Sydney and uh, our clinic provides elective egg freezing for women who wish to preserve their fertility and we also provide fertility treatments like ovulation induction and intrauterine insemination and IVF for couples who've not been able to conceive naturally. I'm also undertaking my master's in medicine in reproductive and sexual health through the University of Sydney. So yes, my life revolves a lot around other people's <laughs> sex lives. I talk sex day in, day out, and in my spare time, I read about it. So we thought, let's uh, let's get sexy today. Let's get sexy. What the world needs is more sex. Uh, so because you talk sex all of the time, um, I wondered if you could tell us how is sex actually good for you? So, there's been lots of studies that have documented the health benefits of sexual pleasure. It's going uh, to be one of those episodes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, a German meta-analysis from 2013. They looked at about 40 studies on the health benefits of sex, and they showed that the experience of sexual satisfaction, sexual pleasure, and positive sexual self-esteem improves our sexual health, our mental health, and our physical health outcomes. Wow. So healthy sex can also promote overall well-being through improved relationship quality and general life satisfaction. There have been other studies that shows that this also holds true for older people and for people with chronic conditions or physical limitations. So it's not just the sexy people getting sexy. Mm. There were a couple of other really fun benefits that I found in the literature. Did you know that sex can boost your immune system? What? I mean, I know, I'm assuming was... like when you're having sex with another human um, and you're sharing <laughs> sharing saliva, <laughs> like obviously you're you're taking in and they're like you're taking some of their stuff and you're you're giving some of your stuff. Is that is that it, what you mean? It's sort of. You're not far wrong. There was this US study that surveyed people about how often they had sex, and then they did they analyzed their saliva. Um, they were looking for this particular immunoglobulin, which is a type of antibody called IgA, and they found that those who had sex once or twice a week showed significantly higher. IgA levels, and they concluded that moderately frequent sex enhances your immune function and may help prevent illnesses such as the common cold. What? I know. Also, regular exercise can improve your sex life. Ah, so you know how we always talk about like reasons 
to exercise, trying to find ways to exercise that have nothing to do with motivation to get busy. Yeah, here you go. So this was a uh, this was an American study from 2018 that looked at how exercise affects sexual function in women. There were improvements in sexual arousal after just a bout of sweaty exercise that seemed to be driven by increases in your sympathetic nervous system activity and some hormonal factors, and that regular exercise can also increase sexual satisfaction. What? Indirectly by kind of how it it works with your autonomic nervous system, improving autonomic flexibility, and it can have benefits for cardiovascular health and your mood. Wow. Okay. So regular regular exercise helps you to manage your nervous system, which then has flow on effects to how you perceive sexual satisfaction. Yes. Awesome. Hmm. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and this one was uh, this one was very very topical. Uh, there was a study that was published last year that showed that positive sexual experiences can improve your mood and mental health in a lockdown. So this was an Italian study that discovered that subjects who were able to maintain sexual activity during lockdown had lower psychological distress, so lower anxiety, lower depression, than those who had to give up on sexual activity due to lockdown because you know couples were separated or they weren't able to, uh, to meet new people to have sex with. So if you were able to continue to have sex during lockdown, that was a bit of a bonus. Wow, that's incredible. I love that um, I love that there are going to be so many studies coming out of what the hell experience we've been exactly. through for the last few years. <laughs> Every single thing in your body was probably affected by lockdown. <laughs> okay, so there's a few reasons there that you've outlined about why sex is good for us and how it's good for us. What actually happens on a physiological level during and after sex? So what's going on? In our bodies. So <laughs> I spent my Saturday afternoon in the library reading about the history of the female sexual response, which I'm sure is what most of our listeners were also doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, look, perhaps not surprisingly, there's been a bias in medical research for decades towards male subjects. So oh. it's really only in the last few decades that we've real inroads into understanding what the hell is going on during the female sexual experience? Have you seen the TV series Masters of Sex? I think I've seen parts of it. Parts of it, yeah. So it tells the story of a couple of pioneers of human sexuality, William Masters and Virginia Johnson. They were doing research in the 60s and they proposed this kind of four-stage model of sexual response for both men and women. Stage one, excitation. Stage two, plateau. Stage three, orgasm. Stage four, resolution. It's very um, nice, neat, four-face yeah, kind of yeah. regimented approach. It doesn't feel think, very sexy at all. <laughs> no, if you think that sounds a little simplistic, it is. Um, but it did form the foundation for a lot of the research to come. What we now know and what seems fairly intuitive to most women is that the female sexual function is a complicated beast. An amazing scientist, Dr. Rosemary Basson, in 2000 suggested a model that better describes that complexity. So she suggested that the female sexual response might begin with sexual stimuli or it might begin with a bit of spontaneous sexual drive, just being in the mood, Mm -hmm. or there might be a moment of emotional intimacy, which can then lead to sexual arousal, physical and emotional satisfaction. And rather than this being like a single linear chain of events, 
desire, arousal, intimacy and satisfaction all interplay with each other, really in a kind of overlapping and and variable sequence. You're so right. If you think about your own experience, it's also, yeah, absolutely not sequential. That that desire, that arousal could totally disappear at any point during (laughs) during sex. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And she was one of the first to really articulate how important the psychological Mm. and cultural context is for each woman when it comes to sex. To to leave those things out is to really miss the big picture. So let me run you through a little quick summary of what actually happens physiologically during sex. Now, this is for cisgendered women, and we're just going to break it down into, into some of those perhaps more simplistic phases. Firstly, if we think about desire, during the desire phase, you will see increased muscle tension in the body. The heart rate will get a bit quicker breathing will get faster, you might become a bit flushed, you might get a bit blotchy, sort of redness, particularly on the chest and in the back and the neck. Well, that sounds sexy. Yeah. <laughs> who, do- who doesn't love a rash? Um, <laughs> blood flow to the genitals increases, and this is when you'll start to get some vaginal lubrication. Mm-hmm. Then we move into kind of the more arousal phase, and this is when the clitoris will become highly sensitive. Sometimes it People will describe it as being even a bit painful to touch. Your breathing, your heart rate, your blood pressure will continue to increase and there's this increased tension in, in muscles throughout the body. We're getting very sexy now in the arousal we are. stage. We're getting, we are getting to the brink of orgasm. So this phase is the climax of the sexual response cycle. It's also the shortest of the phases. Of course it Typically is. Like, of course it is. <laughs> it'll only last for a few seconds. And, uh, and during this phase, there'll be involuntary muscle contractions, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your breathing are going to be at their highest levels. And, uh, and you'll have a rapid intake of oxygen. You need lots of oxygen at this point. Yep. Muscles in the feet will spasm. And then there is a sudden forceful release of sexual tension. In women, the muscles of the vagina will contract. The uterus may even undergo some rhythmic contractions. Rhythmic contractions. And you get get your your sweaty sex flush going. So that can appear essentially all over the body. Your whole body can become a bit flushed at that stage. Flushed or a rash. A delightful sexy rash is what what you've got in the notes here. (laughs) A delightful sexy rash. That's that's some kind of kink that I'm not getting into right now. Okay, so so phase one, desire, you know, everything's starting to increase, you know, muscle tension, heart rate, that kind of thing. Phase two That's is right. arousal. You've, you've dimmed the lights. You've put on some sexy music. <laughs> You're starting to get sexy. Phase two is arousal. Uh, again, breathing, heart rate, blood pressure continuing to increase. Um, getting to phase three, which is orgasm. Obviously, those muscle contractions, that, that release, that flush, and then resolution. Everything's sort of calming down. That's it. And resolution. <laughs> The body's slowly returning to its normal level of function. So the swelled and erect body parts return to their previous size, their previous colour. This is generally marked by a general sense of well-being, often a bit of fatigue. You might want to have a little nap at this stage. Back in the day, in the movies, you know, light a cigarette. (laughs) Some women are capable of a rapid return to orgasm, however, um, with you know, further sexual stimulation and, and women, unlike men, are much more likely to be able to experience multiple orgasms. Not yeah. all women, not all the time, but physiologically it's more likely to happen in ladies than men. All right. So there's a lot of 
elevated heart rate and, and muscle contraction going on in the body's physiological response to sex. Yeah. Sounds a lot like exercise, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, it's except a lot more that, enjoyable. Except for that marked pleasure when it's all done. Yes. Um, <laughs> Although I feel pretty happy when exercise is over, I'll be honest. <laughs> Could you go again and again? No, no. And I don't want to until, yeah, give me, give me time, give me space. Um, definitely let me have a lie down. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we wanted to look at whether we can count sex as exercise. But before we get to that, Let's look at what actually is exercise. And we talk about this a lot on Women Like You. Exercise is any type of physical activity which is for the purpose of sustaining or improving health and fitness. So the current Australian health guidelines recommend 22 to 44 minutes of moderate exercise a day to be sufficiently active, one of our favourite phrases. We will, <laughs> we will get it on a T-shirt someday. Yes. Um, now, this, this means that exercise does not have to be at a specific time or a specific place, i.e. your 22 to 44 minutes doesn't have to be running on a treadmill at the gym. It doesn't have to be consecutive minutes. It can actually be broken up across the day. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it can be made up of different types of physical activity, i.e. you might do 10 minutes of walking in the morning, you might be lifting groceries in the afternoon, and, of course, you might be having sex um, at any time of the day, really, but you might be having sex later that night. All of those things across a day would add up to your 22 to 44 minutes. So Agreed. Then Agreed. I guess that brings us to whether sex does count as exercise. Well, I, I'm I'm going to vote for yes. Mm. I'm voting for yes. There was a uh, there was a systematic review published just this year in the Archives of Sexual Behaviour by Dr. Jose Moya from a university in Spain. This team analysed 18 studies and concluded that sexual intercourse can elicit an energy expenditure of approximately 100 kilocalories per activity with mean heart rates between 90 and 130 beats per minute, with peak heart rates up to 170 beats per minute. So sexual intercourse can be a significant contributor to physical health, and I think it can definitely be considered a form of physical activity. Those beats per minute, I mean, if you go back to our episode uh-huh. on heart rates and you talked about what heart rate we, we should be aiming for yep. and you included the information about how to calculate mm-hmm. your ideal heart rate. Oh, my God. And I believe I also said I feel really uncomfortable uh, yeah. about recommending you getting your heart rate up to, <laughs> to 170. like 170. But, I mean, hey, if it's if it's coming with an orgasm on top, then knock yourself out. I mean, don't do that. You <laughs> don't, don't do that. that. <laughs> Uh, I guess the question is, is sex enough to be sufficiently active? Yeah, so like if you only had sex every single day. I mean, lucky you, but and also wow. Uh, but if you only had sex every single day, would that mean that you are sufficiently active? I just think that you would need to have a very, very active sex life and you would need to be, as we said, we need to be engaging in moderate intensity exercise that puts your heart rate up to that 64 76% of maximal heart rate. For at least 150 minutes per week. Yeah. Maybe maybe I just have a, uh, a, a, a less active sex life, but that seems like a lot to me. So I think you're ultimately going to still need to add in other forms of exercise to be sufficiently active. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, like, yeah, obviously we're aiming for the for the 22, 22 to 44, but 22 at an absolute bare minimum of uh, recommended daily physical activity. Um, I did a quick search on, like, whether there was any data that showed the average time a heterosexual couple um, took to have sex. Mm. And and there there are definitely studies done. Um, 
unfortunately, I mean, awkwardly, the, the, one of the biggest studies um, basically looked at sex from the start of penetration to climax and the couples had to press go on a stopwatch, basically, which is very romantic. I was going to say, there is nothing more, more romantic sexy. than taking notes during sex. <laughs> and then press stop after climax. <laughs> Um, and the average time turned out to be like five minutes and 40 seconds. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, so you're basically going to need to do that four times a day, seven days a week to be sufficiently active. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, at the same time, obviously, they're not counting all of the lead up intensity and the heart rate quickening and the muscles contract- contracting in, you know, depending on how long your foreplay is in the time that leads up to. Um, but, yeah, it's. It, <laughs> I don't think it's quite enough, as you say, to... Uh, to be sufficiently active, you would have to add in a few other things. So I wanted to uh, to leave you with some fun facts that I uh, that I read in an article this week about sexual motivation. Uh, there was a paper published in 2007 by the team Meston and Bus titled "Why Humans Have Sex." And it's basically the most comprehensive exploration to date of the reasons people report having sex. Have a guess. Have a stab. How many distinct motivations did they record in this paper? Well, I mean, I'll give you. I'll give you a bit of background. Previously, a lot of them, you know, that a lot of papers would kind of identify maybe four, six, eight different motivations for having sex. But this was the comprehensive. This is the this was the Bible of sex. The <laughs> that sounds counterintuitive. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I would have gone like I could probably give you half a dozen excuse for excuses. Half a dozen, <laughs> <laughs> half a dozen reasons. <sighs> How many are we talking here? I mean, yeah, if, we, if, we, if we're surveying a lot of people, I'm assuming that's it. Two hundred and thirty-seven. <laughs> And yes, I read them all. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, that, procreation might be a might be a big well, one that's for it. a lot of people. Procreation that's that's definitely one of them. But I found uh, I found five that seemed you know fairly related to the women like you audience. So I have uh, I have five quite interesting motivations for having sex to share with you today. Number one hundred and seventy six. I wanted to burn calories. Oh, okay. I mean, we're not that into burning calories for the sake of burning calories. I think there's probably more fun reasons to have sex than burning calories. There's probably 236 other reasons to have sex (laughs) apart from burning calories. I mean, it does sound a lot more fun than going to the gym or doing CrossFit or something like that, though. And look, you know, I think reason 176 is probably indicative of women um, or people who identify as women who answered this or who um, contributed to this survey, I think, um, for a long time, obviously, we are we have been very focused on our weight and how we look. Absolutely, and it's so just, I can totally understand that. Yeah, it's, that- it's proof that that body image concept is still pervasive. What else you got? What else happened? Number one hundred and five. I thought it would make me feel healthy. Oh, good. Yes, good. And I just think you know we talked the other week about mindset, how important mm. mindset is, how thinking about being healthy is a key part of getting all of the juicy benefits of exercise. So, you know, I thought it would make me feel healthy. 105, I like that. Yes, your mindset definitely does matter. All right, 131. It seemed like good exercise. (laughs) I love this one. 
again, not wrong. They weren't wrong. That's, yes, it is good exercise. Obviously, it might not be enough for your 22 minutes a day, but if it formed part of your 22 minutes a day, absolutely. Sign yourself tick. up. <laughs> tick that one off your list. Number 108. I thought it would help me fall asleep. Oh, fall asleep. Yes. I mean... We love anything that helps us with our sleep-wake cycle. It's so crucial to so many other aspects of your life. And if sex can help you with that, yes. Exactly. Exactly. And my personal favourite, number 87, it became a habit. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you cannot listen to the Women Like You podcast without hearing us bang on about habits. Habits, so, habits, 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 habits. <laughs> exactly. So that one goes out to James Clear, author of one of our favourite books, Atomic Habits. Yes, if you are just yes. new to the Women Like You podcast, uh, basically our whole uh, ability to sustain an exercise habit came after we read Atomic Habits. It just, you know, broke down the the psychological aspects of habit making and sticking to habits so well um, that we were both able to kind of, after, after being lifelong exercise sloths, we were able to kind of figure out a way to be more consistent with exercise. And it's actually stuck. I mean, this is what we're two years, two, two and a bit years yeah. into a consistent exercise habit now. Sure, there have been periods in that time where we might have stopped for a little bit, you know, sickness, um, just being not motivated, just being tired, all those kinds of things, life. Um, but we've we've been able to, to come back to exercise in a oh, – it, it feels now like it's always there and that we're just going to pick it up when we're ready, whereas yeah. previously it would just disappear and we would not do anything for months and months and months. Exactly. Exactly. I love that one. It became uh, a habit. Make a habit out of a sex. Habit. <laughs> I know. It kind of, that, that, that's not the most romantic reason I've ever <laughs> But, you know, romance and sex are not mutually, are not mutually, uh, not exclusive. What's the other thing? Mutually Mutually inclusive. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we also should point out um, a lot of the frameworks, a lot of the way that we view sex, a lot of the media representations of sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting better, but a lot of it is um, centered around heterosexual sex, and a lot, a lot of, of the research is still centered around heterosexual sex. Yeah, for which is also cisgendered people. Yeah, which is also a big part of your reasons for going back to study and and looking into this further as well. I know a big part of. What you want to do is is looking at um, non heterosexual sexual health issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we I just want to preface this obviously um, that a lot of what we've talked about today does not just apply to heterosexual sex, and also it doesn't necessarily mean that you require another human to get any of these benefits out of sex. I mean, obviously, some of the more physical aspects of sex with another body with another human means that, you know, you might be kind of moving a lot more than if you're, you know, self-stimulating, if you're looking after yourself. Um, But, you know, the muscle tension, heart rate, all of that stuff still applies if you're with yourself having a good time. That's right. So if you've, you know, if you've fallen 10 minutes short of your uh, 150 minutes for the week, (laughs) you, you can sort yourself out. Sort yourself out and it still counts, baby. Absolutely. All right. I think we did very well on keeping that very sensible. We avoided too many sexual puns. We did not do too many sexual innuendos. <laughs> we didn't in your endo. No, yeah, like it, it's um, it, it, it's like I mean these is- these issues are important, and it's funny because you do have. I certainly needed to fight the urge to like make jokes and, um, you know, 
thinking about who might be listening to this as well, like, oh, you're like, oh God, do I really want to be talking about this kind of stuff? This is all seems seems very private and, like, I'm a bit prudish, but it's like, fuck it, like, this is so important for women. It's so important oh, for women's exactly. health. Exactly. Who cares? Get it's sexy. also fascinating. It's really interesting. And uh, and I think having some ownership over your own sexuality is uh, is an important part of your overall mental health. Absolutely. And as you've pointed out, a lot of this, a lot of the research for decades has been focused on men. And, you know, it's only in recent years that we're actually starting to get some really good quality data about women and what we need and what works for us. Um, so we're kind of at this really exciting time, pardon the pun, um, of, <laughs> of looking at women's sexual health. And, uh, and sexual health, sexual behaviour, sexual satisfaction, these are really important. And we cannot, we cannot think that what is true for men is true for women when it comes to sex. Yes. Get sexy. Sexual satisfaction. Okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> <sighs> Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for listening and sharing our little pod. You can follow us on socials. Just search for Women Like You podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you can leave us a review, that would be amazing. We would really appreciate it. It does help other women find our podcast. And also you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's uh, at womenlikeyoupodcast.com is where you can subscribe. All right. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And, uh, yeah, you might need to go and have a cold shower now. That was quite sexy. <laughs> I'm going to go and uh, and have a look because I haven't seen it. I think I've seen one episode of that uh, Masters of that Masters of Sex. Masters of Sex, yeah. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. I'll find it. Anyway, I'll we'll have find a it. We'll put it in the show notes. You, you're getting it. You're mastering sex by watching Masters of Sex. Maybe. Indeed. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Thank you for All reading. Right. Thank you for spending your Saturdays in, in the library diving into this huh? literature. I was doing us. it anyway. <laughs> wow, I, I was it. doing it anyway. <laughs> All right, I love you. I'll talk to you next week. I love you too. Bye. Big name in the water.